Atlanta News First investigates the largest investigative team in Georgia, holding the powerful accountable and fighting for you. Now, in this series of podcasts, we take you behind the scenes of our most recent investigations. Welcome to Behind the Investigation with Atlanta News First. Good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us. This is Behind the Investigation on ANF Plus. I'm Sierra Cummings, joined here with Annie Parati. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. (laughs) All right, we've got a very important topic today about healthcare and. uh, the project is called Over Medicaid. You want to give us a little bit of background on the information before we toss to the story? Yeah, so this is a crazy story involving a woman accused of killing her own mother by over medicating her with some pretty powerful drugs, including morphine, fentanyl patches. But it's it's someone else that they believe is responsible for nearly killing their mother that really got us involved into this story. And on that note, we're going to go right to the story to get answers on that. Madison County Sheriff deputies respond to a home in 2017. They're told the woman inside, Shirley Couch, may just have hours to live. Miss Shirley? Miss Shirley? Oh, oh, you hurt me, baby? My mom's lying lifeless in a bed. She's in a coma. Deputies find vials of morphine and bottles of antipsychotics in the room. Look at the coroner's face. When she discovers someone, place fentanyl patches on Shirley, a powerful combination of narcotics, usually restricted to patients shortly before death, all administered to Shirley, who was secretly placed in hospice care by a family member. She's actually being overdosed. Was your mom dying? Absolutely not. Christy Carr is Shirley's youngest daughter. What was she doing in hospice care? That was my question exactly. Who admitted Shirley in the hospice? Renee Bonner, Shirley's oldest daughter, who worked at Homestead Hospice as an administrative assistant. Suspicious of her big sister, Christy called 911. We are watching a murder, and I'm not going to stand by and watch it happen anymore. In 2019, a judge found Renee guilty of attempted murder. In six years after the family was told their mother was knocking on death's door, Shirley's still alive. What did you think when you woke up from the coma? I was so confused. I didn't know where was that. We visited Shirley this past February. But to have your child try to kill you, that's hard to live with. I love her. I'll always love her. But I really don't like her. But that's not the end of the story. Shirley's family believes someone else is to blame for nearly killing their mother. Someone who never met her. He's Dr. James Shiver. No, I did not see her uh, physically. Seen here in a 2021 deposition, part of a recently settled lawsuit the family filed against the doctor. He's the former medical director for Homestead Hospice. In the deposition, Shriver claims he prescribed Shirley morphine, fentanyl, and other drugs, but only after consulting with nurses on the phone, caring for Shirley. For how long? No idea. That would be in your phone records, though. Sure. Um, I would assume so. 
Shriver's phone records, though, tell a different story. According to court records filed by Shirley's attorney, which includes the doctor's Verizon call logs, Shriver and the nurses never spoke. His signature's on all the prescriptions. So how did they get his signature if they didn't contact or talk to him all weekend long? Want some water? There's something else Shirley's family noticed and raised in the lawsuit about Shriver's orders. Georgia and federal law require prescriptions for controlled substances, including the drugs Dr. Shriver ordered for Shirley, must be manually signed on paper or electronically. But take a look at Dr. Shriver's signatures on these four prescription orders for Shirley. They're all the same, exact matches, stamped or photocopied signatures for controlled substances is considered a crime. This is one and this is an empty vial. Multiple requests for an on-camera interview with Dr. Shiver went unanswered. But over the phone, he denies any wrongdoing, saying there were no stamps or signature reproduction on his prescription orders. Here again are those signatures he claims are not photocopied. Dr. Shriver also claims he can't remember speaking with Shirley's nurses, telling me whether or not they were and when they were called, I don't know. They don't answer to God before, for what they have done. Shirley and her family believe Dr. Shriver should be held accountable. God is the only one that decides when it's our time. Because in my opinion, How's that any different than putting a gun to your head and pulling the trigger? They're just doing it with drugs. Wow, really such an incredible investigation, yeah. compelling interviews. Andy, I want to get to like just the greatest reveal in that story is the mother is still alive. Yeah. I mean, when you hear all the details, you don't expect someone to live past that. Yeah, when I, when I was reading the lawsuit and I was talking to the family, I didn't really recognize that she's still alive. I mean, this happened six years ago. You see her in that video. She looks dead. Uh, we even sort of had a discussion of whether we even show the video because it did look like she was dead and we don't show dead bodies on television. So when I learned that she was still alive, I, I, I was like, is she available? Can we talk with her? And she was so kind and she was so nice uh, to relive this situation that happened so long ago. So I'm really grateful that uh, Miss Shirley decided to talk. Yeah, and aside from the news value of this, just the humanity of it all, speaking to her kindness, that soundbite where she says, I love her, but I just don't like her. I mean, her own daughter. Charlie. Yeah, I mean, how many times have you said that about your own family member? Not necessarily someone that tried to kill you, but uh, yeah, she clearly has a heart of gold and still can't say anything really negative about her own daughter that was convicted of trying to kill her. And I want to get to the accountability of this. You know, yes, the daughter, the daughter has been uh, convicted of this, but they really feel like the doctor should be held accountable for this as well. Can you explain some of the nuance of that? Yeah. So the family, in particularly um, Christy Couch, the daughter, the youngest daughter of Shirley, submitted a complaint to the Georgia Medical Board, and typically it is their policy not to comment on whether confirming or denying whether an investigation is underway about a, a licensed doctor in the state. But we review text messages and emails between an investigator and Christy, and it clearly shows that they are taking the complaint seriously. In one of the text messages, the, uh, the agent for the medical board says, 
We are currently still investigating. So that's why we felt comfortable enough to say that the state medical board was likely investigating this doctor. And what they're investigating is exactly what you just saw in the piece of did this doctor follow drug protocols when it comes to prescribing these really, really dangerous uh, substances to to uh, Miss Shirley? Did he follow protocol when it comes to manually signing? And when you hear manually sign, I, I had to ask for a definition of that. I didn't really understand what that meant. And what it means is it, it has to be physical, meaning that it's either on paper or, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you kind of sign with your finger, mm-hmm. that's manually signing. What is not allowed is photocopied or stamp signatures. And as you saw in the piece, there's there's good evidence potentially that um, that it was stamped or or photocopied. And just to be clear, I want you to be able to explain his stance on all of this, because you've sat through hours yeah. of deposition where you actually hear him answer some of these really compelling questions. Yeah. And not only did I listen to all those depositions, I actually had an opportunity to briefly speak with him on the phone and he denies any wrongdoing. He said that he believed that he spoke with the nurses, but he actually couldn't remember. He said in the chart and the uh, and the depositions that he spoke to the nurses, but as you saw, his own call log showed that he never spoke to any of those uh, nurses during the time that the prescription orders were, were sent to the pharmacy. Um, so there's, there's a lot of um, mis- confusing answers from him when you hear him say, I spoke to the nurses, but the call logs say something uh, differently. He told me on the phone that he there were no signature reproductions uh, uh, at all as well. And of course, this case is specific to this family, but this is something uh, to a certain extent we can all relate to because we expect doctors to follow pretty strict processes when they're treating us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we can all relate to it because we all want to make sure that we're getting only the medications that we need. And we also can relate to it because I swear when I read this story, it, it reads like a soap opera from days of our lives, someone accused of killing their own family member and a doctor involved. I don't want to make a light into this situation, but it definitely had my jaw dropping when before I even wrote the story, just reading the lawsuit and, and speaking with the family. Jaw dropping, hearts breaking. Mm-hmm. Um, when did the family realize or at least suspect something might not be adding up with their sister, even even with the doctor? Yeah, so the youngest sister, Chris, they really picked up something could be wrong pretty early on because uh, Miss Shirley was cleared to get knee surgery. And what that means is that a doctor believed that she was healthy enough um, to get surgery, to undergo surgery. And that means they checked her cardiovascular, her lungs, her mental health, her heart. All those things were clear. So when the uh, one doctor is saying all these things appear to be normal and that you can undergo a, an invasive surgery for knee surgery, and then all of a sudden you're seeing the oldest daughter put her in hospice care, um, that was like bells ringing, alarm sound ringing for the youngest daughter, Christy. So there was a, a, a point where she she actually, Christy, actually heard the first time that her mother might be dying because she read a Facebook post from her uncle. And in the Facebook post, it said, it looks like my sister um, may be only a short time to live, days or weeks to live. So she's reading this going, what? Like, my... My, I was just speaking right, I was just to with my mom. Yeah, I, ju- I just saw my mom. She's doing fine. Like, I don't understand this. So they they actually know the corner. This is a small community. So it's not unfamiliar that someone would know, um, you know, someone like a, the county corner. So they literally called the county corner, said, 
we think something's up. The county coroner asks deputies to come to her, uh, come with her to this home. And as you know, if the coroner's arriving, usually someone's dead. Um, so thank goodness the coroner did arrive with those deputies while recording with those uh, body camera videos because we now know at least the state that we sh she was in and all those narcotics found around her. Uh, there is pretty serious evidence, as you mentioned, in this case. I think uh, one specific element that is so um, dramatic is that body camera video yeah. where y you basically have a professional saying she's being over dose you can't even really refute yeah. that in that moment and in that body camera video there's a there's another portion where they're sitting down with the family and they're concerned about her even being in hospice care mm -hmm. concerns that one of the daughters the oldest daughter the one that got convicted of attempted murder uh, put her there and she's essentially instructing the the family you need to go to probate court now uh, whatever sort of authority that this oldest daughter has on your mom, you need to get that revoked and address this immediately. Wow. The story is far from over. I think the light at the end of the tunnel here is that it does appear that there is some um, oversight, some investigation happening. And although the Georgia Medical Composite Board doesn't confirm the investigations they're uh, performing, can you speak to what that oversight agency is? It's the agency that kind of revokes, um, enforces uh, medical regulations in the state of Georgia, right? Yeah, so it investigates complaints against licensed doctors. They actually have uh, law enforcement investigators that go out and research and review these complaints. The, the process, though, of what happens after a complaint is submitted is, is kind of in secrecy. Even in um, medical board, in the, in the meetings, when they address voting on a particular complaint on a doctor's actions, they only identify that doctor by his or her initials or the case number. So the, the public has no idea that a complaint is submitted uh, about a doctor until there is action against that doctor. And only then, at the very end, when the action, when that disciplinary action is is approved by the board and then submitted on the record, that's the only time the public knows uh, when a complaint has been submitted against the doctor. Wow. Well, continuing following this story, it's been such a revealing investigation. Thanks so much, Andrew. You got it.